Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane with the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. And today I'm thrilled to have repeat guest because he's that good, Zach Sorensen. Zach is a former Major League Baseball utility player and infielder. He was a three-time All-American at Wichita State. He played for Team USA. The guy's got a statue of him outside of the Wichita State baseball facility. Interesting story there we might get to. But Zach is currently, he's an MPM certified coach, gone through our program. And, and Zach is the head of mental performance with the Atlanta Braves. So, Zach, welcome back to the show, man. Super exciting this year with the Braves making a run as, they deep, as deep as they did into the playoffs. And super excited for you now to be working in that capacity. What's it like being a mental performance coach for you in the major leagues now coming back full circle as a former player and now coach? You know, it's been it's so exciting to get back into that capacity, back on, you know, out there with the fellas. It, I love baseball. We love sport. We love everything about it. And what's even more fun is I found something that I'm truly passionate about. Thank you, Brian, for helping me find my path. And uh, it's just great to get back out there and try to make a difference, you know, in, in some of the careers of these awesome players. You know, Zach, if you can kind of give our listeners like your story into how did you get into mental performance and maybe talk about the story with Roberto Alomar and Manny Ramirez, because it is it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, for me, I was trying to figure out how I want to get back into the game. I'd been out a few years. Um, I, I love to teach. I love to coach. I love the game. And and I, I had a great conversation with uh, Mark Shapira, who's the president of the Toronto Blue Jays. And he says, listen to yourself talk. And when you hear yourself talk, you'll figure out where your passion is. And I'm like, man, I love talking hitting. I love talking defense. Let's go talk base stealing, you know, because I get super geeked out. But all of a sudden, I started talking about mental performance, and it was at a different level, man. And, and so for me, it was like, that's it. And I tried to figure out why. I'm always trying to figure out why. So why is that for me? Because as a player, I felt like maybe I got to the big leagues not because of my talent, but I had a little mental edge. But also the reason why I wasn't able to play longer is because I needed more. And, and it, so, boom, there it is for me. I wanted to figure out how I can help these athletes get out of their own way and make sure that the reason why they don't make it to the big leagues or play there for 20 years isn't because their, their mind gets in their way. You know, so, so let's go back. You, you get done playing Major League Baseball. What year is it? Uh, yeah, I, I stopped playing ball in 2007. Okay, so 07. And did you go right into a, a you know, a... Like, what's the track, I guess, is the question yeah. that when I, when I asked some of our, of our, our listeners, like, hey, what questions do you have you want me to, to, to feed to Zach Sorensen? They said, have him tell us his track into how he got to be the head of mental performance for the Atlanta Braves. You know, I know you've gone through our certification. You've worked with the Texas Rangers. And, and could you kind of give the people the path into how you went about for, with the academics and the training to get you to be prepared to handle this position and work in this job? Sure. Yeah. So as soon as I got done playing ball, I came home and I, I got what we call a real job. Right. And so, uh, and, it, and it's been great. I, I have a great career, like, you know, on our line, I would call it a great career and it's been great for me, but my passion wasn't quite there. And so as I took a step back and said, you know, what do I want to, what do I want to do for me? It was, I want to make a difference. Okay. In what capacity? And so like I, like I mentioned before, that's where I found mental performance after I started Googling some guy named Brian Kane, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what I want right there. So for me, it was, you know, hey, I went back and I, I figured, hey, a lot of these these uh, organizations and teams require a master's degree. And so I, I jumped online, I found a master's program and I completed my degree. Um, and, and but as I was going through that, I wasn't completely satisfied with the information I was getting. Now, I, I was getting it. I was getting I was getting the research. I was taking the classes. I was killing it. Um, but I'm like but I need, I need the next level. And so honestly, you know, Kaner, that's where I, I bumped into, to whether it be your, your website or whatever. 
and I started buying your products and, and learning it. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is different. Okay. This is different. This is impactful. And I felt like that if I were a player, this information I was getting from your content was going to be not just impactful, but immediately impactful. Okay. And, and I know we're going to get to that later because I think that's what I saw this year with the Braves. So I completed my master's degree at the same time I was knocking on your door, uh, even more than knocking on your door. I was driving you crazy trying to enter into your world. And, and then we connected. And, and from there, you know, I was able to learn from you, uh, work next to you a little bit, speak, you know, speak here and there, and then try to figure out how I was going to um, replicate what you were doing by being my own self. So, and it was interesting. I, I remember like, you know, a month before I completed my master's degree, I'm walking out of, you know, I work at the hospital. I'm walking out of the hospital. It's game two of the World Series. I think, you know, the, the Cubs are playing, whomever they're playing. Uh, Chris Bryant just hits a bomb in the second inning. And I'm running to my car to hurry home so I could catch the third inning. My phone rings. And it was the general manager for the Angels. And, uh, you know, he, he says, first question is, hey, I, I hear you're getting a master's in sports psychology. Is there any way you, we can fly you out here? We can start talking about this. And I, of course, I was super excited. So before I completed my master's, you know, the word started getting out there that here we have someone who played the game. It's also got the studies and we're curious to see how he's going to approach this. You know, why, why? Okay. I think that's a big question. Why? Um, this is going to be a, the next biggest thing in sports, you know, and I think it's becoming that now uh, because, you know, whenever I go talk to people, what percentage of this game is mental, whatever game you're talking about, that number is never less than 60. Very few times it's less than 70 or 80. Okay. And then I always ask people, well, how often are you training it? And the answer is usually zero. Okay, so we recognize it's an important thing, but how do we do it? All right. And so that's where I got fulfilled by learning about, you know, by, by learning about Kane. And then as, as we continue to develop with Brian Kane, you know, peak performance into certifications and this and that, it's just like, wow, here is the information that can take me as a mental performance coach from where I am to where I want to be, but also how I can impact other players. So, like I said, my phone rang a couple different times. Um, I took a job with the Texas Rangers uh, uh, two years ago, so in 2018, and I w worked with the minor league players, absolutely loved it, enjoyed it, and learned a lot. Um, as, you, as you go through the process and, and programs, you learn not just about what's happening, but about who you want to become, right? And, and so I, I gained all the information from that experience, learned, and I said to myself, if I go do this again, here's who I want to be. And then, as you know, Kane, you know, the Atlanta Braves called me prior to spring training and gave me the opportunity to come out there and, and kind of take over their program a little bit, start their program, build it. And that led to this season. You know, Zach, it was exciting to watch the Braves this year and one of their pitchers, Kyle Wright, and got off to a slow start and then was a bonafide dude at the end of the year. One of the best pitchers, I think, in baseball. And in a postgame press conference, he talked about you know, the, his turnaround, like it wasn't, it wasn't a spin rate thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a mechanical thing. He said, I've been working with our mental performance coach, Zach Sorensen, and got back to, to some of the basics and things I was doing. What's been more important doing that, uh, just your pitch selection, gaining confidence, mixture of everything, but what, what do you attribute these, the success these past two starts to? Yeah, I mean, definitely a mix of everything, you know, like I said, the moving on the mound help, but I think for me, it's just kind of been more, more mentally than anything. Um, get, kind of get back to good routines. You know, I've been working with um, our mental performance coach, Zach Sorensen, a lot, just kind of get back into good routines and good things that I, I guess I used to do, just kind of got away from. So for me, that's just kind of a 
allowing the uh, confidence to come from my preparation and then just go out there and compete. So I wanted to ask you, and I don't, I don't want you to talk specifically about, about Kyle, cause that's an individual relationship that you have with him. And I don't want to go there. I just thought it was really, really cool that here he is giving you credit for helping him. What are some of those strategies that you use, you know, with guys like Kyle or with the players in the Braves organization or with the people who you're working with one-on-one? Cause I know you do outside coaching with college baseball players at sec schools and things like that. But what are, what are some of those strategies that you use with those players that you feel like has had a lot of success in terms of helping them to play better and play at their best? Yeah. You know, it was an absolute riot. And I think the first thing that I want to make sure that I mention is that, our job is to provide players with drills, skills that they can do and they can acquire. It's not just our program, okay? It becomes their program. And, and so this isn't about us. And I think that's what you love about it, Kane, and that's what I love about it. Hmm. When, when people call me and say, what'd you, do with, what'd you do with Kyle? And my answer is, Kyle did the work. Totally. Yeah, you know, I was able to provide him with some things and kind of guide him. But this is Kyle's program, not mine. Okay. And, and I think it's important to really bring that up real quick because if you can get that, I think that, that you just went to a whole new level in, in this job. So, you know, when, when they called me about Kyle and mentioned it to him, here we have a player. He's a first round pick a few years ago. He's a superstar. He may have the best stuff on our staff. Um, he's just getting himself into a bind, especially innings three and four. Okay. And um, so I, I asked what they've done to help him, what they've done to work with him. And, and then we went from there. So at that point, you know, Kane, and you taught me this, but it all becomes, what level of buy-in do I get from the individual, all right? And from there, I can determine how hard I push him, how much I give to him, and how fast we can go, okay? So here you have a player who, you know, I, I, I think what's interesting is when you get into this role and from previous experience, you know, it is about relationships. But at that level, these individuals want to do something and they want to do something now to make a difference in their game. Mm. Having said that, they'll do whatever it takes, okay? Mm. so. Work ethic isn't an issue for a major league individual, a major league player. They will put in the work. Our job, I feel like, and I know you agree with me, is to put them to work. Okay, so we're not just going to talk about what they, you know, we're not going to say, hey, you're a good player. Just go get them. All right. It's not just about sitting down and talking about it. It's about giving them things for them to do. So right away, I started jumping into with Kyle, start talking about his routine. I'm like, listen, you go out there and you dominate in innings one and two. I'm like, and then tell me what happens after that, right? And so he starts talking about this and that. And I said, what is your routine in between innings? So we went right there. And he's like, well, what do you mean, right? Okay, so he hasn't been taught what to do in between innings. Sure. And so we, we dive in and we start talking about how he, you know, he can change his routine in between innings. He can turn the switch off, turn it back on, okay, hat off, hat on, whatever it might be. And then we go from there. So he made some quick adjustments with, worrying, with, with talking about his routine. Love that. And the piece he's talking about there, Zach, of the confidence There's coming the from the you know, preparation. The you know, would you talk a little bit about that side. and kind of the where you see confidence come from and where you teach players that confidence should come from? Yeah, and, and I think it's a great way to talk about what we dove into next and we hit it really hard. So, you know, you have an individual, what we're all chasing out there, what all athletes are chasing, you know, whether they're nine-year-old kids or whether they're major league pitchers, is is we're chasing results. Okay. And we all feel like that confidence comes from results. Okay. So Kane, does confidence come from results? Does confidence come from results? Results can fuel confidence, but it cannot be the only place that it comes from. Yeah. 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 You're right on. The answer is, yeah, we can definitely get confidence from results, but what if you don't get the, what if you don't get the results you want? Does that mean you're not going to be a confident player? 
Exactly. And so, so here we have a major league pitcher or hitter who, you know, is, is 0 and 4 or 0 and 5 or 0 and 10 in the big leagues. Okay. And we're only seeking confidence from wins. Okay. Well, then we start talking about control what you can't control. Mm. You know, can you control winning? Yes or no? Can you control getting a hit? Yes or no? Can you control this? Can you control that? And we hit this really, really, really hard. And we got very specific with control that you can't control. For example, okay, I'm like, hey, there's two big circles on a baseball field. You got the pitcher's mound, you got home plate. I'm like, where is your focus? And and the response is, you know, well, the hitters that, you know, around home plate, the catcher's at home plate, he's calling the game, the umpire's at home plate, all the action's taking place at home plate. And I said, right. Can you control the hitter? Yes or no? No. Can you control the umpire? Yes or no? No. Can you control the catcher? Yes or no? Can you control what the catcher sets up? Yes or no? No. Can you control what he calls? No. The answer is no, 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 no. What can you control? Only what happens on the other circle on the, on the diamond. Okay. So now you start diving into, okay, what can you control? We can control, you know, our, our, our personal focus. We can control our tempo. Okay. And then, it, then it all dives into preparation. Okay. So you know, we heard about it this morning. Those of you that, that you guys know who I'm talking about with the phone call, but, uh, you know, preparation is what? Separation. Rob Gilbert. That's right, man. Preparation is separation. So our focus went from everything that's happening at home plate and strikeouts and getting wins to the things that we can control. Okay. And then he just took off. Mm -hmm. and, and so the buy-in was there. We made it happen. And we broke it down from there. We broke it down into three phases, okay? And, and it's, it's the prepare phase, the compete phase. And you heard him talk about the compete phase. Prepare, compete, and progress. So the prepare phase for me is everything that you do before you get out there on the field, okay? Um, so that's the, that's the visualization, okay? That's the, the mind movies, which you, you, know, you, you talk about a ton. I did, I did three or four mind movies for him, which was super fun. The compete phase is what are you going to do during the game if things aren't going the way you want them to go? How do you manage your emotions? How do you manage all this and that during the game? And I'm going to give them real things to do out there on the field. That's where the, the signal lights come into play. Okay, all this drops underneath the compete phase. And then after the game, it's all about the progress phase. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's where we gather data, gather information. That's also where we learn how to flush. Okay, I gave him, I gave him one hour after every single game to be as pissed off as he wants to be to be as excited as he wants to be, to dig himself as much as he wants to dig himself. All right. But make sure he goes through the evaluation, which by, you know, of course is the well, better how that we've created for him. Okay. And then we, I made him, that's when you go shower. That's when you take your uniform off. And right before you get done with this full evaluation, you walk in and you flush the toilet. I made him flush the toilet before he walks out every single night because it's time to, all right, move on. Okay. Love so, love that. and, and, and it was just awesome for me to see him embrace that, to see him do it. I mean, we're talking a full page of notes after every start in depth evaluations of what was taking place. And there we go. So, uh, but before I forget Kane, cause I think this is such an important thing. One of the last things that I talk about. So, so here's what I hit him with and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just go through it. Process over outcome, honest self-evaluation, emotional control. Okay. Signal lights, right? Never-ending eagerness to get better, which I see crazy amounts of that at the elite level. Okay, those big leaguers are grabbing any information they can. Why? Because they want an advantage. And if we want to come back to that, that's the Roberto Alomar story. Okay, mm. overpowering adversity and embracing failure. It got to the point where he actually said to me one time, "I was hoping that I got into red lights 
because I had a plan on how to get out. Okay. I love it. Right. That's what, that's, that's what we're, we're looking for is you need to have something. And I'll say this over and over again. You need to have something to go to when you need something to go to. Okay. So after overpowering adversity and embracing failure, mastering mental imagery. Okay. And we did a lot of things with visualization and then mastering your self-talk. After one of the games when he went out there and pitched, and it, and it may have been his first major league victory, I have him grade himself on the things he can control. One to ten, no sevens, right? You can tell that story later. All right. And I said, How were you with your how was your attitude? Ten. How was your effort? Ten. How was your energy? Nine. Okay. How was your body language? Ten. I finally got to how was your self-talk? And he said, My self-talk was a 12. And I'm like, interesting. I said, why would you grade it a 12 when 10's like the best you can be? He goes, because I've never mastered, I've never even thought about self-talk before. Mm-hmm. And during this start tonight or last night, we did it the day after. He goes, I was talking to myself the whole game and it was awesome. So, you know, impactful, cool things that we're able to share with him that he turned into you know, the pillars that got him, you know, a, a great second half of the season. Yeah. And it, it became his process, right. And in that in a short little interview clip that we played, I mean, he talks about, he reminded, you know, working with mental performance coach, Zach Sorensen reminded me of some things. And I think that's the hardest part about like professional baseball and just human performance in general is that there are so many factors, so many factors that come into play, right? Skip Bertman, baseball coach at LSU, won five national championships in the 90s, used to say this. He'd say, excellent seekers. They realize that it's not about 10% better in one area. It's about 1% better in 10 areas. And when we're looking at those 10 areas and that growth, there's so many little things that add up into the end result outcome and performance that if you're not really aware and really good at attention to detail and knowing your process and what you're doing, it can become really hard to repeat, especially when you're talking about at the major league level where your margin for error is so thin, you know? And I think you mentioned the Roberto Alomar story earlier and a guy who's who's a hall of famer, potential hall of famer. I mean, one of the best to ever play the game. Absolutely. Right. And a, and a guy who, who taught you a lot about being a learner at the elite level, would you kind of share with us that experience? Yeah. So in my first taste of the major, of major league baseball was with the Cleveland Indians. Roberto Alomar was a second baseman. I still, you know, from my experience is one of the smartest guys to ever play the game. And, and so, you know, I, as a young player, you, you're up there, you're enjoying it, you're experiencing it. Honestly, you're, you're living it up, man. It's so much fun to be around those guys who you've collected their cards, you've watched them on TV, and, and I had a chance to be in the dugout with these guys. So I'm sitting there and just, again, you know, I'm not going to play. I mean, these guys are unbelievable players. I'm there just in case, you know, we used to nickname my, my, my name was Justin. My nickname was Justin. I'm there just in case somebody wants to get a day off. <laughs> just in case Randy Johnson's pitching that day. Yeah, I might play, but... So I'm sitting there and I guarantee that these superstars don't really know my name. I'm not a threat to them. Okay. That's kind of how I would say it. So before the game, we're sitting in the dugout, you know, they're out there playing catch, getting ready. Roberto Alomar comes, sits right next to me. And I'm like, Hey, that's, you know, that's Roberto Alomar. He looks at me and he goes, what do you know about that pitcher out there on the mound? And honestly, my response was, I don't even know who's pitching. I'm not playing today. Right. And he's like, he kind of gave me that puzzled look and he's like, what's his out pitch? You know, how quick is he from, from, you know, how quick is his delivery? What does his move look like? What, you know, this and that, he just kept drilling me with questions. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know who it is. Right. He kind of patted me on the back. He went out there, got his base hit, stole second, scored a run. 
next day, Roberto Alomar comes and sits next to me. What do you know about this guy out there on the mound? And I'm like, oh, let me see who it is. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, darn it. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know him. Every single day he'd come sit next to me and just tap him. What do you know about this guy? So what do I do? I start responding by trying to figure out who's out there on the mound. I'm doing some homework, this and that. Yeah, why am I going to let him down? Finally, one day I grab him and I'm like, question for you. Why are you wasting your time asking me about that guy out there? You're like a 12-time all-star, right? Future Hall of Famer. You're wasting your time asking me questions. His response blew me away. He says, it's worth it for me to ask you these questions because if you have just a little bit of information that's going to give me an advantage. Hmm. This is a spring training game. He's already made the team, okay? He's looking for an advantage. And as I saw that then, I saw it with those guys back there, and I saw it again this year when I had the chance to work with the major league pitcher. These guys are seeking an advantage. And so it's our job to give them things that they can use to gain an advantage. And when you do that, Kaner, when you can when you can supply something like that to them, man, they'll do it. They'll they'll they're they're on it. They'll do it. When they see they when they see the value in you or the when they see the value that you can add to them, then I think they're interested in creating the relationship. But you have to have some value that you're going to offer, and in order to have value, you have to be able to give them something tangible to do. I think to develop mental performance, and I think that's I want to I want to go in a second about the difference between a master's in sports psychology and the certification program and what has benefited you more. Um, or how they've benefited you differently. But let's close the book here on Roberto Alomar because, as you said, one of the greatest ever played the game, 2011 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame inductee. He's got his jersey retired by the Toronto Blue Jays, 12-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, ALCS MVP, 10-time Gold Glove winner, four-time Silver Slugger winner. I'm surprised yeah. I didn't. I'm a little disappointed that I didn't do my homework ahead of time, Zach, and look all that up. But, wow, here's one of the yeah. best ever. Grilling, grilling you like that about what you know what do Addy. i know about that spring training pitcher okay and, and again reiterate does it really matter if he gets two hits that day he's not trying to make a team he made the team right he's on the team but he's looking for an advantage and you constantly see that especially with those players they're special players and talking about trying to find an edge and i think when we look at mental performance and, you know, the people listening to this podcast are more largely going to be baseball coaches, baseball players, softball players, softball coaches because of your background and them wanting to learn. But also there's a lot of mental performance coaches, people right. who have played Major League Baseball like you or Chad Hermanson who are going through our certification program, Brandon Geyer, and athletes in other sports that want to do work in mental performance. And I get the question a lot of Hey, do I need to, I got a question today. As a matter of fact, do I need to go get a master's degree in sports psychology to do this work? And I wanted to pose that to you to say the difference between a master's in sports psychology, like you did and the certification program. And do you need it to be successful in doing this work? Would you take that? Yeah. You know, based on the way you asked the question, Kane, okay, I'll answer it. So <clears throat> oftentimes many organizations or many jobs out there will initially require a master's. And so I went and got my master's because I knew that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. But, but, but your question is, you know, where was I able to get the information that was more effective? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you get a great base in, in psychology when you get your master's degree. All right. Um, but from my experience as a player, here's what it was like to me, because, you know, I, I had mental performance coaches along the way. 
and, and here's what it came down to me as a player you you feel stress you feel pressures and again you want to you want an advantage but before you get to the point where you're just trying to seek advantage you realize that you got to put up the numbers which we talk about or you might not be a ball player anymore okay so the question is, is do you have times so different but same question to you different but same answer to your question is oftentimes I have individuals in the same industry as me. And the biggest thing they talk about is it's about relationships. Okay. I don't disagree with that statement, but because the relationship has to be there for them to, to, to trust you, but they're also running out of time. Correct. So you gotta, you gotta give them things to do right now that can help them with their career. So when I talk about leadership, there's three things I'm chasing. It's the same thing as, as, as a mental performance coach, three questions that the players need answered by you before they have the buy-in that you're looking for. Number one, can I trust him or her? Number two, do they care about me? Okay. And number three, will they help me to become better? Okay. Hmm. So now I can spend a whole season trying to develop a relationship before I can implement some strategies for that player. I don't think they have time for that, especially when you're talking about a player that's getting ready to get sent down. Yep. So somehow I got to answer those three questions to them as quick as I can. How do you do that? You give them things to do. Okay. So it's not just about what I learned in my master's because I learned some great things about psychology in my master's. They need things to do. That's what the MPM does for them. That's what the certification did for me. Okay. I was able to put in place for my pitcher some things that he could start doing tonight. Okay. And, and we dove right into it and I just kept stacking them and stacking them and stacking them on him. Now, here's why I kept stacking them. Again, it's all about buy-in. My player was super eager to do whatever it takes to gain an advantage to get back on top. All right. He knew what type of pitcher he was. He couldn't get there. So the buy-in was there right away. How come? Hopefully it's because he recognized that he could trust me, right? He knew I cared about him as, as a person and as a player, and I was giving him things to help him to get better. Okay. And it happened fast. I took a seven-week program, which is kind of what I run my players through a seven-week program based on the seven skills that I mentioned to you earlier, and I ran this player through it in about four weeks, okay? And I asked him, I said, am I going too hard? Am I pushing you too hard? Because I'll back down. And he says to me, he goes, we never get to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're hanging around the dugout, the clubhouse, we don't get to talk about this stuff. And this is what's going to make a difference for me, and I feel like everybody out there. He goes, if you hear anything about mental performance, you send it my way, Okay. So that's where you're at. Yeah, love it. Love that's what we look for. Okay. Now the next question is, is okay, well, what do I have for him? All right. That's going to be impactful in tonight's start against another major league team. So think about that as you're developing yourself as a mental performance coach. How can I impact this player? For me, the information that you get in the MPM is the framework for what you're going to give these individuals. So what I'm hearing you say here, Zach, is that the material that's in the MPM certification course, that that is going to be valuable to someone going to want to do this work because it's going to share with you. And this is why I designed it. I designed it because I saw there was a gap between what was happening in academia theory and what was actually happening in the trenches, spending 250 days a year on the road for the last essentially decade doing this work, saying... This is what's being taught in school. Not that it's wrong, but that's not what you use when you're in the trenches doing the work. And I remember you calling me one day and going, hey, I just got a B on my paper. I said, well, what'd you write about? You go, I got a B because it was not in the right APA format. (laughs) 
And I'm like, that's not what you're not going to grad school to be a professor, dude. You're not, you don't need to learn how to write an APA format. You need to learn how to help the player whose time is running out in the big leagues to be able to, to slow themselves in the game down or have a process to do so. So what you were getting academically and then what you got in the certification program are two different things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a good way that I describe it is the MPM certification is applied sports psychology. Yeah, right. It, it, it's it's what can I actually apply to my game if I'm an athlete? And again, I'll say it starting today, that's going to impact me tonight because many of the skills you're going to learn in the MPM players can apply today mm-hmm. and it will help them even tonight. So just, just in the past, you know, five weeks, I got a call from some parents. They got a player who's out at an SEC, you know, a big time baseball school and he's a walk on. They're worried about him, you know, not even making the team at this point because of the yeah, where our, COVID. Yeah. COVID. I mean, it's just like everybody's life got turned upside down. And I said, well, I got this seven week program. And his honestly, his mom said to me, we don't have time. Yeah. And I said, I can rush him through it as long as he has this growth mindset we're talking about. and He's willing to put in the work because this isn't my program. This is his program. Mm. And, you know, I get a message last week from him. He just finished the fall season. He led the team in hitting. He went from worst to first. Okay. Why? Because he put in the work. Mm-hmm. All right. That's why. We gave him some ideas and some skills that he could implement into his game. He applied it, and all of a sudden, he's a different player. From there, I'm getting calls from coaches and this and that, people that saw him, okay? And kind of a cool story along those lines, you know, a, a, a father of another player on the team got a call from the coach, and they said, hey, you know, there's this mental performance coach that uh, your son may want to spend some time with. One of our other players did spend some time with this guy, and, and I think he can help. And the father said, let me guess which player on the team was working with the mental performance coach. And he picked him out of the team, you know. So visible, uh, visible, is it okay to say results? Yeah, I think visible, tangible production. Production, okay. Because individuals are willing to put in the work. And what I found out is individuals are willing to put in the work. If they're seeking you out, they're going to do what it takes to take them from from where they are to where they want to be. And I think the the key theme through all of this, Zach, is... As the mental performance coach, we yeah. have got to give them tangible things to do. Right. It can't be, it can't be talking and in the clouds. It's got to be something that they can take, they can touch, they can feel. Like yeah. something like keeping a journal as a post-game reflection, like you talked about with the pitcher, or a morning journal, or having yes. a routine that I use as I get into the box or as I'm on the mound, or having a highlight video, a mind movie that I watch that reinforces my best performances and feeds into my visualization that I'm doing, or a time management schedule, where as a starting pitcher in baseball, one of the things I've had a lot of success with with the starting pitchers in baseball I've worked with who typically will throw every five days or in college, if I'm the Friday night guy, I pitch every seven days is, well, if you're a major league pitcher, you got 140 hours between starts, non-COVID. If you're in college, you got 168 hours between starts. So show me what you're doing with that 140 or that 168. And let's map out a plan that we call your process, right? Because everyone wants to say, trust the process. Well, that implies you have one. So we Absolutely. have to learn how and help them create a process. So in terms of, of, of a quick shift here, you know, and I know you, you've got, you've got four children of your own. You are also a, a world ranked pickleball player. You know, you're, you're a golfer in development, which I've seen. And you know, there's, there are many skills that you're utilizing with professional athletes that you probably use in every day in your life, in your, your, you know, full-time 
profession outside of mental performance coaching. What are some of those, uh, those skills that you see athletes, whether it's, whether it's with, you know, your daughters and dance or, or golf, or just what you use yourself when you're in an operating room and there's chaos going around with the surgery, what are some of those principles that you might share with professional athletes that you think everyone listening to this could apply in their life? I think the biggest one for me that jumps right off the page that I hit really hard with my athletes is, is what is our initial focus? So, and I'll tell a quick story with it. Good, better, best. Okay. So there's many talks that are given about good, better, best. I love the talk. And I used to say, okay, if you're a good player, I'm going to help you to be better. If you're a better player, I'm going to help you to be the best. So I go down, I'm with the Texas Rangers. I got the top six draft picks. You know, some of them you get a chance to work with yourself, Kaner. And, and I'm talking to them about how I'm excited for how excited I am for them. They're, a, they're finally a professional baseball player. They got their bonuses. They went from anywhere from 300 grand to three and a half or 7 million. Okay. We paid them because they're the best. Every time I said, remember, good, better, best. Every time I said best to them, they dropped their head. To all of them. Why? I finally asked them, I'm like, why do you drop your eyes when I say best? What do they say, Kane? I don't feel like I'm the best. Yeah, I don't know. I ask you got me there. Yeah. yeah. Look at look at all look at all these guys in this clubhouse. You mean to tell me that I'm the best guy here? You know, I'm I'm a brand new professional player. What about the guys in double AA, A, triple A big leagues? I'm not the best. Yeah. So that's not there. And then I ask them, what's the biggest thing you worry about as a professional athlete or an athlete in general? That I'm not good enough. So here you have good, better, best. Can you control if you're the best? Yes or no? No. No. Why? Because there's always going to be somebody better than you. Probably. Totally. No, there will always be. Always. Can you control if you're good enough? Tough question. Yeah. I think think maybe what you're getting at here, Zach, is so many times we talk about, hey, you got to be the best. I want you to be the best in the world. And it's like, that's so, so motivational speaker, right? It's so in the clouds instead of saying, hey, what do we got to do to get better? Because even Roberto Alomar, who's a Hall of Famer, wants to get better. Or Zach Sorensen, who's the 25th or sixth man on the 25-man roster, he's got to go get better too, right? Totally, totally. And that's exactly where I'm going with this. So can you control if you're the best? No. Can you control if you're good enough? Depends on who's asking the question. Sure. So you can't control it. When you spend time focusing on things you can't control, you become out of control. Hmm. And that's where most of our athletes are. They're out of control because we're asking the wrong question. But then I go back to these guys and I say, can you get better every single day? And every single one of them, you just did it too, Kaner. You just nodded your head with authority. Yes, I can. So now I have to give them something to do, right? And that was coming back to your question. So that's where the 1424 jumps in. What is that? It's 1% of your day. Can you commit 14 minutes and 24 seconds to, can, let, me, let me say that again. Are you willing to invest 14 minutes and 24 seconds into doing something that you know is going to make yourself better? Yes or no? They all say yes. So, okay, if I struggle with pull-ups, and I want to be good at pull-ups. If you, I ask him, if you committed 14 minutes and 24 seconds every single day to doing pull-ups in six months, will you be better? No yes. question. Guaranteed? No question. No question. So why can't we implement that or, and apply that to any part of our life? Hmm. Can you have more than one 14, 24? Absolutely. But what is your 14, 24? So now I go back to my, my well, better how, okay. And I, and I have it. I actually have it right here. This is my Atlanta Braves. You know, bam, you open it up. You got a well, better how in there. Okay, I don't know if you see it or not. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Love that. You got your well, better how, and then you have your grading yourself on, on the things you can control. All right, attitude, effort, body language, energy, competitiveness, you know, all of the above. And then we start talking right next to how am I going to do it? I have written to it, 
what is your 1424? Hmm. Okay, so real quick, I'll run through a well better how. What did you do well last night in the game? I got three hits. Oftentimes we throw we throw out production results. That's fine. Yep. That's great. What do you want to do better? Well, my last at bat, I got a base hit off the left-handed pitcher, and then he picked me off. I can't be doing that anymore, right? So I want to be better as a base runner. Okay, cool. What, how are you going to become better as a base runner? What is your 1424? Well, tomorrow, okay, for eight minutes, I'm going to grab another left-handed pitcher, and he's going to show me his move. All right, for five minutes, I'm going to watch video, and then you know whatever else you're going to add to get to your 1424. I can promise you based on a, a a failure that you had the day before you're going to gain progress okay if you implement the 1424 so uh, you know again one, one other quick story um i had a gentleman that i put through my program okay my seven-week training program he's a 62 year old crossfit competitive crossfit athlete savage he gets yeah absolutely he gets knocked out every year he's like you know just that guy that just didn't quite make it and the reason why is because he does pull-ups, but he can't do the butterfly pull-up, sure, okay? Sure, and, sure. and individuals that are doing a butterfly pull-up are quicker. So I get done with the program with him, and then I don't see him for a month. I come back to the gym. He's like, I've been looking for you. He's like, I got done with your program, and I wanted to see if, if the skills and the drills that you taught me really work. And so I implemented a 1424 when it comes to butterfly pull-ups. So I got on YouTube. I pulled up the, the butterfly pull-up progression. I watched it every day, and I worked on it every single day. I was going to do it for 30 days. He says, it did not work for 26 days. Huh. And on day 27, he crushed his butterfly pull-up, and now that's the only way he does it. Okay, Can you guarantee results with the 1424? I, I mean, that's a strong word, but I think you can, whatever you, can. you want to get better at, do it. You can, it's, it's not going to be overnight. Right. And I think people, oh, we live in a oh. microwave society. I want it quick, fast and easy. I want it yesterday instead yeah. of the delayed gratification. Right. I mean, sure. it's just like, look at people's mentality right now during a pandemic, whenever they listen to it, yeah. you know, listen to this podcast is that, you know, during a pandemic, man, people are counting the days until this thing is over. Instead of making the days count, looking at, okay, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at staying home again today. How do I attack today? Let me make a plan and crush it. You know? And it's like, the the mentality of don't be the best just get better than you were and be better today than yesterday and work to be better tomorrow than today but zach last thing i want to i want you to share with us here man that seven step program that you're talking about where can people get it where can they find you how do people who want more come and get a part of zach Sorensen and what you're given yeah so you know i'm on social media i'm i'm at z Sorensen four you know spell, Sorensen that, for us, four. spell that for us just so i make yeah. sure i get it right yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Z and then Sorensen is S O R E N S E N four. Okay. If, if you're on Facebook, I'm at, you know, I'm Zach Sorensen on Facebook. My website is zsorensen.com under construction right now, but it'll be up within a week. And, and from there, that's where you can connect with me and we can make this happen. So, um, yeah, I love it. And, and the book, the hard 90, where are we at with the hard 90? Man? Can people get some of that? Yeah, Hard 90 on Amazon, right? The Hard 90, how to prepare, compete, and progress in the mental game. Okay, there you go right there. Let's go. How to prepare, compete, and progress in the mental game. So the title real quick, why the title? What percentage of the of baseball is mental? The answer I get over and over and over again is 90%. Hmm. Okay, what percentage every day are you training in the mental game? Zero. Hmm. Okay, it's, it's the Hard 90. It's the Hard 90. All right. Can you do it? Well, if you go jump on the MPM, you become a certified athlete or a coach. Okay. 
you will have what it takes to do the hard 90. The excuse can't be any longer. I just don't know how to do it because this is what this is where you go to figure out how to become, whether you call it mentally tough or mentally prepared, okay, or or whatever you want to call it to make to get you again from where you are to where you want to be. This will give you the things that you need to go to or to give you things to go to when you need something to go to. It will. Look at that, man. I see what you did there. I see what you did oh, with yeah. the hard 90. Baseball's 90% mental, but I work on it less than 10% of the time. We'll pick up the hard 90 and you'll learn how to master the hard 90, which is the, the mental game. But as they say, let's get a good hard 90 going down the first baseline out of the box. Yeah. I see what you did there, Zach. Very creative. Zach Sorensen, two-time Brian Kane Mental Performance Mastery podcast guest. We're going to bring you back to talk about the hard 90. Uh, I want to dive more into that book and we're going to do that. But right now I want to be respectful of your time. I want to cut you loose. First, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, man, fire me up with that juice. So appreciate you being here with us today, my friend. Thank you. Awesome. And thank you for all you do for all of us coaches and athletes, because you're changing the way we look at things, change of perspective. And with that change of perspective, it allows us to become who we want to be. Appreciate that. I mean, a change of perspective leads to a change of life. And if you're looking to change and looking to grow and know that you don't have to be sick to get better, head over to zsorensen.com, head over to briancane.com. We got some tools for you to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. Thanks for being with us. Zach, don't count your days. Make your days count. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Mental Performance Podcast on the Ironclad Content Network. If you liked the show, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. I'll see you next time.